Pull up a stool and pour yourself a pint as you're about to join three intrepid drinkers, Kevin, Justin, and Mark, as they embark on another Beertastic Voyage. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Beertastic Voyage. My name's Kevin. I'm Mark. And I'm Justin. And we're here for episode eight of Beertastic Voyage, where we're going to explore Blind Bat Brewery. That one's going to be a tough one for me. i got to make sure I enunciate properly. The alliteration, huh? I love alliteration. See, there it is. (laughs) I love alliteration. It's one of my favorite writing techniques, and that shows you how much of a nerd I am that I have favorite writing techniques. But Blind Bat Brewery. There you go. Is something that I've been looking forward to trying for a while. Yeah, so I actually procured these beers when uh, I was up in the Northport area. Uh, If you listen to last week's episode with Sancita Brewing Company, I actually got these on the same day. And that is because Blind Bat, which is uh, a real passion project for Paul Luke Kenki. I hope I said that correctly. One more I'm time, sorry if it? I did not. Paul what? Lugo Kenki. Yours was way harder than the ones Justin and I butchered in the past. <laughs> yeah, so I hopefully I got that right. Paul, if I didn't, I'm sorry. Uh, I tried looking up pronunciation guides, and that was the, the best I could find. But anyway, Blind Bat is a real passion project for Paul. I'm just going to call him Paul because I've, you know, it's probably better for everyone involved. I concur. Uh, so Blind Bat, it's, as far as I know, he's still running it out of his garage. Okay. He's had a series of unfortunate events in his search for a permanent uh, brewery and retail space. Deals have fallen through. Uh, you know, he's run into trouble with uh, the health department in some locations or, you know, uh, landlords have soured on the idea of having a brewery in their building. Not to, not to mention that just any kind of location, any storefront spot on Long Island anywhere is absurdly expensive. Well, yeah, but like to give you, a, for instance, in my research for this episode, uh, at one point in time, Paul was actually in talks to open up in the space that San City currently occupies and uh, okay. just was not able to come to a deal with the landlord for that property. But anyway, uh, Paul's a great guy. He's a pretty much a one-man show. He does the labels. He makes the beer. I assume he bottles everything himself. And uh, in order to... T- get his beers the best thing that you can do is follow him on all the social meds and we'll we'll make sure we uh we link them on the in the show notes yeah later. but uh you know he's pretty much at blind bet brewer on everything okay that's that's easy to find and uh so the the way he came up with the name for the brewery was back during prohibition speakeasies may have been referred to as blind tigers or things like that Okay, but he was going to actually call the brewery Blind Tiger, and then found out it was already taken. And being nearsighted himself, he ended up settling on Blind Bat. Okay, that works out pretty good. Do and, you know where Blind Tiger might be? Uh, I know I didn't look that up. All right, but Blind uh, Tiger, if you're listening, tell us where you are. Yeah, send us some beer. We'll drink it and give you a rating. There you go. But anyway, uh, Paul's a really nice guy. He sells his beer at various farmers markets across Long Island, and uh, I know that the farmers market in Northport is one that he's at every week. And I knew I'd be able to track him down there. 
Okay. There so, you go. Way to way to do uh do get your recon in. Good job, Mark. Yeah, I I did my homework on this one. That's for sure. So I brought back his uh, purgatory porter for us to drink, his uh, honey and basil ale, and finally, to wrap up, we've got a hickory and maple smoked brown ale. Now, I mean, last week we we did the Sand City beers, and all of them were pretty light, and I feel like this week we're going to the other side of the spectrum with uh, with a brown ale, a porter, and while the honey basil probably isn't that dark, but definitely seems to be a bit thicker in flavor than um some of the ones we may have had last week yeah and uh the thing that i like about uh paul's brewing stance which you don't see very often is he's not afraid to make beers using smoked malt and he actually smokes a lot of the malt himself but uh i like that smokiness i'm a big fan of barbecue as both you guys know and have eaten numerous times and uh you know putting that in a beer to me is just kind of like heaven, so I'm very much looking forward to the hickory maple smoke brown. But uh, to start off with, we've got uh, his purgatory porter, which is the uh, same base recipe as his hell smoke porter, but it doesn't have any smoked malt in it, so it's going to have a clean finish without any smokiness. The label even says hell smoke porter without the smoke. Right, <laughs> it's a uh, 5.6% alcohol by volume. And his description is a roasty, robust porter. Purgatory porter is brewed using the same recipe as the Hellsmoke porter, but without any smoke malt. The 5.6% ABV with some chocolate and espresso coffee notes. Now, you've got it in one of his, uh, in an aluminum bottle. Yeah, I, he's, I'd he's really like here. to know where he gets them from because they're quite nice in my opinion. Yeah, and I've never, that's not something that usually, I know, uh, like, Bud Light does the aluminum cans and the aluminum bottles and stuff, but I've never seen, no, but then again, I've never really looked for aluminum bottles, you know, for independent use. Yeah, the thing I like about them, unlike the, the Bud Light bottles or what have you, is that... The, They're filled with real beer? Well, I mean, that that's a plus, but certainly the Bud Light bottles, you know, are painted right onto the aluminum so even if you wanted to reuse them as a home brewer, you're never going to actually cleanse them of that filth. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just as a, a side note in that thing, I know you definitely brew more often than me, but personal favorite bottles, if you're looking for easy bottles to clean, oh, go with the, yeah, Guinness definitely the Guinness draft bottles. They don't have the little uh, doodad thing in there, and they're just got like a shrinky-dink wrapper. So yeah, you just cut the wrapper yep. off. And it's just a little bit of glue. There's no soaking the bottles overnight to loosen up the labels. It makes life a lot easier. So if you're a home brewer out there, pro tip, drink yourself a lot of Guinness or find somebody that does and get them to save you those bottles. Yeah. Also good if you uh, have an iron deficiency, <laughs> which we discovered the other week. So looking at this beer, um, the Purgatory Porter, it is. this is black. This is like night midnight black i'm holding it up to a pretty strong light bulb here and i'm not getting any kind of light through there yeah it's completely opaque um not much head to speak of um even when i poured it out it's not like it's you know i only poured it about a couple you know minute or two ago but no head in there no it does have a very roasty coffee like aroma to it which i find quite pleasant yeah i, I get the i get the roastiness in there um and there's no 
obviously no smoke scent to it. Justin, what do you think about this? I see that you've uh, sampled quite a bit of what I poured you. It's interesting to me. The um, I'm I'm not a coffee fan. I do tend to be um, coffee and beer fan though, and this definitely tells me why. I think the acidity of the coffee is really pleasant, um, and it's it's got definitely got a chocolate feel to it too. Big chocolate fan. So between those two things, it, it's really great. Um, I I kind of wish it had a little bit more carbonation, but I know the style of beer is definitely a lower carbon a lower carbonation style of. I. Kevin, you're going back for more. Quick. So, I'm going to uh... pour a little bit more in there. Don't don't worry about me, guys. I'm just going to pour a little bit more in here because, I mean, it's we can't recap this. It's well, like yeah. I mean, to be fair, there we've got some bottles here, so yeah, uh, it, it's not like we, we don't can want to recap it. We don't want this to go to waste, and it's quite tasty. And uh, I don't think any of us are going to have a problem having a little bit more of this. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm a big porter. fan. It, it's uh, it, it reminds me a little bit of the um um the the breakfast out from Long Island only really in the coffee coffee flavor yeah so i mean the the most marked difference between this and long island's breakfast out is this doesn't really have any residual sweetness to it yeah there's definitely no sweetness to it um as far as the mouthfeel's concerned i think it's a little it's a little thin in the mouthfeel but um, but the flavor is really nice. It doesn't linger around. Usually when I think of porter, I think of a beer that maybe stays around a little longer, or maybe I'm just confusing it with a, a porter and a stout and kind of they're mashed together in my brain. But I really like the flavor of it. I think it's uh, it, you got a little bit of the the roast chocolate notes. You got a little bit of the coffee in there. It, the acidity that Justin mentioned, I definitely picked up on, on the uh, sides of my tongue in the back. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think about where I'm tasting things, and definitely tasted it back there. And but finished finished clean, which I like. Yeah, it's very tasty. The uh, the first time that uh, I ever actually had any plain bad beer is is uh, when Justin and I went to the Taps and Talons that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Okay, yeah, where and, there uh, were no beer fetching birds of prey. Still disappointed <laughs> about that. But write them a sternly worded letter, and maybe we'll get on that. Justin, can you train one of your cats to fetch beer or something? If I could train one of my cats to do anything, it would be a miracle. I love them, <laughs> but for the most part, they pretty much just vomit and then poop. You know, that's it. Yeah, vomit and poop and run around. And they're they're awesome, and I love them like little like my little children. But yeah. that's all they got. There's definitely no fetching beer going on. <laughs> yeah, neither one of my dogs are really smart enough to uh, grasp that concept. No. And that's why Mark and I have children. <laughs> and. They're toddlers now. Dorothy, guys. get me a beer. Yeah, I, I was going to say, they're toddlers now. Can we start getting on that? Like, would that be wrong if Uncle Kevin stops by and starts training them to fetch beers? Well, Jake was at uh, Mark's house. Jake was going into the uh, the Blue Moon box and trying to pull beers out. He wasn't trying to give them to anyone. I'm pretty sure he was trying to just run around and throw them somewhere like he does every other thing that he picks up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, I think we got to wait until they're a little bit older because... Uh, at the age our kids are at right now, I still don't think they have enough strength to actually break the magnetic seal on the refrigerator door. Okay. Okay. So what are we talking, like two, three more weeks? No. I Maybe like another six months. Maybe. Yeah, it's definitely six months to a year. Okay. So we're talking – okay, I'm, I'm going to mark that on my calendar because that, <laughs> that's – listen, I, as we've mentioned before, I, I don't have any kids, so I can be the weird uncle that asks them to do silly things like that. I, and I'm okay with that because once the weird uncle does it, it's perfectly approved by my wife. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
Um, so I think we've uh, I think we've polished off this porter, which tells us what we think about it. But let's uh, speak things official. And, yeah, uh, Kevin, since you're the first one to go back for uh, for seconds for seconds, why don't you start us off? Well, uh, I really like the Purgatory Porter. I thought it was, I thought it had a good taste, a, a nice flavor profile to it. It wasn't absurdly heavy, and I'm going with a growler on this one. Um, I'd pick this up um, and be drinking it for most of the you know and drink it and maybe put it away for one night and come back to it again the next day and be really happy about that so i think this is firmly in the growler range for me see i think this is a keg for me i would be perfectly happy having this on tap all the time i'm surprised you went that far i mean to me i think what kept me from going that far is it does it it doesn't quite have the depth of flavor that I'm looking for in a beer that I want around all the time. I don't know. Maybe so. I've weaned myself off using any kind of sweeteners in my coffee. No, so, I'm still I still love sugar. Yeah. So I mean, maybe that's part of the reason why I get as much enjoyment out of it as I do. But I yeah, I'm perfectly happy having this on tap all the time. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to say like what you're your choice in here is wrong i'm just i'm a little surprised because i think it doesn't i mean maybe you're picking up more of the notes of it than i am but if to go back to some of the other beers that i've given a keg to they have usually more than one flavor to to it there's an initial flavor and then a secondary flavor as you drink it to me as i'm drinking the purgatory porter i tasted it it tasted the same as when i started the sip when i finished it the whole time through the, through both samples that I went through here, it tasted the same the whole time. It didn't really develop. I didn't pick up anything new as I kept drinking it. So to me, that's not something that I'm going to want to come back to every day. That does make some sense. Um, I, I'm going to be the growler along with Kevin for the, for similar reasons. I really enjoyed it, but I do see myself not getting bored with it, but kind of be like, okay, cool. Um, I definitely want to have a few of those, and then maybe next time I'm going to open up something else. I was surprised to hear a keg from Mark, not because I didn't think he would like it as much, just because for Mark to go a keg is uh, a, a very uh, that's a very high rating. Yeah, I mean, it's true that I do like a variety, but uh, I mean, the this Purgatory Porter. Yeah, I'd be happy having this on tap, certainly. All right. Well, All since right. you're on a first name basis with Paul, let's see if we can uh, <laughs> arrange something with him now. Yeah, maybe. So uh, we're gonna move on to his uh, honey and basil ale now, which is a uh, you know would be classified as a spice herb or vegetable beer. It's six point seven percent alcohol, and uh, the description is an ale brewed with English pale malt, German Vienna wheat. Uh, dark Munich malt, U.S. Caramel 40, and uh, New York State honey from Ford's Honey Farm in Newport, New York, Mount Hood hops from Condizella Farm out in Waiting River, and a blend of basils, including purple, Thai, lime, lemon, sweet, and blue African, grown by Centerport's Tearport's uh, Seed Sowers Farm, and it's fermented with an English ale yeast. So this is a real all-Long Island beer here. Yeah, it's... Uh, definitely a farm beer yeah i i like that he's i like that he's uh sticking local and using so much stuff and you know and really helping support long island stuff 
Yeah, I mean, Mark and I had this at the uh, Taps and Talons, minus the uh, beer fetching birds. <laughs> and uh, I remember, uh, I remember enjoying it there. Um, we did drink a lot of beers that day, so I'm interested to try it again. It's always nice to revisit a beer that you had and enjoyed, and kind of think, was it a honeymoon or did I really love it? Yeah, I mean, the so the honey is definitely apparent in the aroma on this beer. I'm looking at the color first. I like to just take a quick look at it, and it's got the color of honey. It's it, but it looks like honey, like in the bear, you know. In the it, sorry, I always buy the little honey bears, but <laughs> I had no idea what you meant until you said that. But now it makes a lot but, of sense. But yeah, but the honey, like when you look at a jar of honey in the supermarket, and it's light on the edges and a little darker, amp, you know, golden, deeper gold color in the center of it. That's exactly the color that I'm getting out of this. Yeah, it's uh, and it's more of a wildflower honey color than a clover honey. The fact that you're able to differentiate honeys like that, I'm a little envious and a little concerned. But I make a lot of mead, so yeah, I I know that, and that's why I'm not upset about it. And I appreciate that you make the mead because it's delicious, and I love drinking it. But but yeah, I'll I'll give you that. It's it's wildflower honey for those of you that are. Next time you're in the supermarket and you're wandering through, look at wildflower honey versus clover honey, and you'll understand Mark's assessment. But um, when I poured it, you know, had a had a slight hit on it, not a lot of retention to it, not much on the carbonation factor, but the smell of it definitely has that honeyness, the 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 honey and a little bit of spice in there. Um, I'm guessing that's the basil, but it doesn't smell like basil that I'm thinking of when I go and pull it off the plant or when i'm chopping it up to no in definitely my, not in my dish but i i think again that comes from the the wide blend of it so like i grew purple basil this year i've never had any experience with purple basil before and it tastes a lot like licorice which is not something i'm a big fan of and i know that for next year not to buy a purple basil but it was certainly there's I think there's over like 300 different varieties of basil, so there's a wide spectrum out there. But it does look really cool. Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> but it, you know, flavor-wise, I'm not a big licorice fan, so there's no reason for it. Yeah, not never again. Let's put it that way. I'm definitely not a big licorice fan, and thankfully, the any of the purple basil that he's put in here, I don't, I don't catch any licorice. And obviously, he's used, I mean, at least three or four different kinds of basil. So they seem to have blended together nicely. That being said, for me, it's a much more honey fla- honey forward flavor than basil. I do get the basil, but in uh, only in a, a ancillary way that kind of cuts through the honey, which is really pleasant. Yeah, I I agree. It's definitely honey first in the flavor, and it tastes it tastes almost like I'm gonna say watered down, but not in a bad way. But it tastes like thinned out mead you know like thinned out flat mead a little bit to me uh i don't know that i would agree with you there to me like to me i like this a lot and then i've had uh on my to-do list for beer a uh beer using sage do you mean your to brew list yeah <laughs> so i've been wanting to make a sage bittered beer for a few months now and this gives me hope that i'm sort of on the right track there and it's not going to be terrible 
Yeah, I can't say that I've had anything you've made that's been terrible. Maybe we like some others more than others, but I don't Do think you need to be that the scared. Agave, uh, orange beer that I made. Yeah, that one was. That one was. That one. That might have been yeah. your. The, I'm gonna say worst, but it really just. That was your only swing and a miss on it. I'm, I'm going to go with that. It was a swing and a miss. It wasn't necessarily I don't remember just... pouring it out or anything, but I, I do remember th- trying to come up with words to say that weren't like, wow, could you try something else? <laughs> and I know I know you didn't like the way your pumpernickel beer came out. No, yeah. I thought it was pretty good, and Rachel and I drank I, yeah, I, quite a bit of it. I donated that entire batch to your wife. And she drank quite a bit of it, and I drank quite a bit of it, and that was really tasty, and... I mean, I don't, I don't know what it was that you didn't like about it, but I mean, as far as this beer is concerned, um, I'm, I'm liking it. It's really, it's really tasty. And I can see, and I don't think it was just, Hey, we've had a couple already and we were at the festival and we really liked it. This is a really enjoyable beer. Um, it's light, it's flavorful. It's got that depth of flavor that I'm looking for in a beer. And I'm, you know, it, and it definitely, it tastes it tastes fresh and i like it yeah it doesn't have a strong bitterness but the you know the notes in there from those various basils really give it like you said a freshness to it and make you want to come back for another sip now do you have any info on uh any on what kind of hops you used again what is it mount hood yeah so mount hood hops are a uh an americanized sort of offshoot of uh german noble hops okay so they have a spicy sort of character to them that 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 would that would explain that kind of uh that scent in the beginning then yeah so the mount hood is actually one of the varieties that i started growing myself this year okay i didn't get any uh cones so hopefully next year it takes a year or two to get them yeah hopefully next year they'll uh come back and i'll actually get enough to actually make a beer with well, this is really nice, and I, I really like it. And I don't often say this, but I almost think, almost wish it had a little bit more in the hop characteristic to kind of, just, again, just create a little more depth in the flavor. Yeah, and I think it is a little. Uh, so the, the, basil character, helps cut through it a little bit, but I do think it is a little bit sweet on the back end, and I mean. I'm not saying that as a criticism. I'm just trying to talk about the apparent character of the beer. Like it's definitely not a criticism of it. No, I I, I think we I think we're all in agreement there. And I've, I've seen Justin nodding, and he he's he's going up and down, and we're, we're trying to train him to talk when when he has an idea, not just nod. But Justin, what's your thoughts here? I'm, I'm hoping everyone could hear my nodding. Uh, I do have a large head. But uh, my, my the thing that that gets me most is I don't I don't recall this beer tasting this good at the festival. It doesn't mean that it didn't. I think that when you're at um an event, you're drinking a bunch of different styles of beers, not necessarily in a thought out order. Just sort of that looks good. Sometimes I think that you carry the flavor over, and I like this beer at the festival, and I like it even more now. Um, and I'm not sure exactly why that is, but it's uh the honey in it I really enjoy, and I'm not a big honey guy. I know Mark's super into honey, and I do like mead. But I don't know that it's quite as much as Mark does. But I, I enjoy this a lot. And um, See, I guess if we're going to start rating it, um, i probably give this one a, a solid bomber. Yeah, I I think I'm writing this. Um, the bottle that we have here is 
a 500 milliliter bottle. It's not quite a 22, and but it's definitely bigger than the normal bottle. And I mean that that's perfect. Yeah, I, I it, agree with you. It's the perfect Kevin. size for for what you want here. Um, you know, you you gave me that, and I'd be very happy. The 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 bomber is is where I want to be with this. I'm in agreement with you, Justin, and um, just just a really good beer. Kudos, Paul. I I'm really I the Purgatory Porter was was nice, but I I think this is this is something special that I'd I'd look for. I'm impressed taking something that I would never have thought to put in beer, which is basil. I mean, I'm sure that it makes sense from the hop standpoint, and like Mark said, he's thinking of a sage beer. So for people who know more about beer than I do, I think it maybe it's more obvious. But for someone like me, if I'm in a store and I see basil in beer, it's gonna I'm going to be intrigued by it. Yeah, I, on that uh, sort of point, Justin, one of the things that uh, brewers are starting to uh, explore a little bit more is there are lots of compounds in hops that are also found in herbs like basil, like uh, lavender. and uh, So better brewing through chemistry is what you're telling me. More or less, yes. So those those sort of flavor compounds, some of those flavor compounds that you can find in hops, you can also get out of basil. So like you, one of the things that's popped up a lot more often in the last couple of years is basil IPAs because basil has a lot of those similar flavor compounds that you get from the hop varieties. I would love to uh, to try one of those out because basil is one of my favorite herbs to eat. And to see what kind of hop characteristic that can give a quote unquote hop characteristic would be very interesting. I would be surprised to see um, how that how that tastes in comparison to your standard hop beers. Yeah, and like I said, I I think there's like 300 varieties, if not more than that, of basil. So there's a lot of variety out there as well. So finding uh, one that you like that pairs well with the flavors of the beer. I'm sure there's a variety out there. You just might have to do a little bit of trying, trial and error to find it. Yeah, I mean, I I like this beer. And, I mean, we're recording in the beginning of October here. And this one definitely has a nice, like, a spring quality to it, a summertime quality to it. And it's kind of nice in the sense of, hey, it's starting to get a little dark and chilly. But this, this kind of still tastes like a nice... You know that that last fresh piece of fruit that you get out of the out of the, uh, you know, or the last fresh vegetables that you get out of the out of the uh, garden. Certainly, um, Mark, did you give this a uh, rating? Uh, I was with Kevin on this one. Okay. It would be, you know, I think this 500 milliliter bottle is like the perfect size, but that's not in our rating system, so it would be a bomber. Yeah, I mean the fu- and at 5.7 ABV, uh, you know, alpha by volume, it's not that 6.7. Buddy. Oh, six. All right, sorry. There was there's a little bit of shadow there. Six point seven, that makes per, that makes perfect sense. Um, I was, I thought it was. I thought it said five, and I was gonna say that, you know, with the honey, I'm surprised that it was hadn't jacked it up a little bit higher because of all the sugars available to the yeast. But six point seven seems right in the wheelhouse, and it's nice. It's not completely gonna wreck you for the day, but it's gonna, it's definitely enjoyable. Mead in general, where is the ABV on on mead generally? Meads are usually uh, um, more in line with wines. I know that uh, a fair number of home brewers are starting to make what they call short meads, which are more in the sessionable range of, you know, maybe 4 to 6% alcohol so that you can actually have a couple of glasses of it without falling asleep. <laughs> 
That's interesting. Yeah, that's what that's one of the reasons why I asked is because this is a six point seven. So I'm sort of wondering the process that the. Um, I mean, how much honey versus basil? I mean, I, as we're as we're drinking these beers and we talk about the ingredients, as someone who doesn't really brew, I'm always wondering like what what quantities are going and things like that. And obviously, we 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 won't know. And I'm sure that Paul's not exactly giving away his recipe. Well, on that uh, point though, the honey basil ale, you actually he actually has a homebrew recipe on his website. That if you uh, that's impressive. Yeah, I don't know if he has it for all of the beers or not, but like I said, I did do my homework for this episode, and uh, I found on his website he does have a link if you want to actually give a give it a try making this at home yourself. That's really cool. I love when people do that. I'm a I'm a uh, computer programmer, and uh, open source stuff and is is awesome when you're able to take something and extend it or change it. And uh, it would be really interesting to see people take this recipe and, and maybe try to create a few different styles of beers or change it around. Or and especially as somebody who does, you know, I write uh, software. When someone takes something that I've done and they extend it and make it better, that's I, I I find it to be a huge compliment. You know, I think it's one of those ones that, um, you know, ever, everyone's always raving about how local honey is is good for you. And I think it's one of those ones that if you change the types of honey in it oh yeah you, the you honey. really create a lot of incredibly different beers with the same you know with the same idea behind it but you could really yeah differentiate you it to your local area honey for like clover honey it'd be a completely different beer yeah and that's something that i think that you know i or orange blossom honey or something like that i think it would be really really interesting to see what that tasted like yeah in, in changing that that one aspect of it well, that's one of the nice things about that fancy new electric brewing system that I have. That's that's true. You do have that fancy we can, system. We can start actually playing around with those things, splitting off five gallons here, five gallons there, and uh, changing that one ingredient to see which one is actually better. Yeah, or, I mean, not better, but that we prefer. Yeah, I think I think that's always it. It's what it's it's what your preference creates. I remember the one time I tried to, uh, I split off some. Uh, some wort to uh into some little grout into some growlers to create a couple different varieties with uh what did i change i changed the uh the sugar that i added to it i added a some maple syrup to one and a couple other things to it and created a couple okay beers but yeah i didn't really i was not good at taking notes <laughs> but uh i think you know enough about the adventure you know the misadventures of our of my failed home brewing <laughs> <laughs> um We've moved on to the Hickory and Maple Smoked Brown Ale, uh, malt smoked at the brewery by Paul. Yeah, so it's a five point two percent alcohol. Okay, that's that's really that's a uh, you know right now the middle range there. That's a uh... yeah, and his description is an American brown ale with some of the malt smoked at the brewery, which is you know really his garage at this point. Uh, with that. Until he can find a more permanent space, I'd like to hang out in his garage. <laughs> and uh, it's a blend of hickory and maple wood that he smokes the malt with. There's no actual bacon in the beer, but you had me at bacon. Yeah, um, I found that a couple times. I've actually made, you know, one, one of the kits was a was a bacon beer. Yeah, I rem- I had, yeah, and it, you had that. Uh, it was terrible. <laughs> bacon syrup. Right? Yeah, it was a it was a bacon extract that they used, and it it really just tasted like liquid smoke. And from talking to a couple different brewers about when they do bacon things, 
it's rarely actually bacon flavor. It's usually just a smoked flavor that right. they use. That that's really, and when you taste the ones that put bacon things in there, it's that's the good flavor. It's just the smoke. You don't really, as much as I love bacon, you don't actually want it in your beer. <laughs> so being a brown ale, taking a look at this, it's definitely lighter in color than the Purgatory Porter that we started off with. Yeah, I'd say it's one sh- it's one shade lighter, only in that a little bit light, more light gets through. But I think if we didn't have the purgatory to reference, we'd probably be saying that this is black. Well, you yeah, I, I I think I it's it's pretty close to black, but you know, it is like I said, it, there is a a noticeable difference in color between this and the purgatory, and uh, that smell. Yeah, there's a strong smoke scent to it. Yeah, I I love that. The um, I, I, while Kevin and Mark have been waxing philosophically about the color, I uh, I decided to take a couple mouthfuls of it, and the smoking just carries through to the to the taste, but not to like a crazy level, not where it like blows you out. Yeah, you get the smokiness, and then it sort of just smooths smooths out really good. It's not acrid like you can get sometimes with like that, you know, baking extract syrup from yeah, that exactly. older batch. It's, it's the right kind of smoke. It's the smoke. It's and you have it in food too. If it's barbecue and you have you've you've had it where it gets bad smoke. Yeah, but this you, you is this is the good smoke. Right. Of you have a little bit of that flavor to it. It adds the nose there, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't get to the point where it tastes. I think you had the right word there. Acrid. I I I really enjoy this. This is one of the things that Paul does that I'm a fan of. Is a lot of his beers use smoked malt. I need to get my hands on more of them because this is really good, and I want to sample some of his other offerings. Yeah, you've got a little twinkle in your like. Uh, you guys again, Mark's got a little. You can't see, but Mark's got a little twinkle in his eye and is smiling much more than usual um, as he drinks it. And we've talked in the past about how you like Rosh beers. Yeah, and um, I'm drinking this, and it, it's really, it's. I've had some of the other smoke beers that I've had. They try really hard to make sure that the smoke characteristic is the is the primary characteristic, and I think that this that Paul did it right here and that he made it the accent characteristic yeah, it, and not the primary one. It's subtle in the background, but it's definitely noticeable, and it's great. I I don't have any better language than that. Yeah. Justin, what are, what are your thoughts here? Um, it's hard for me. I, I'm coming up. I'm coming up with uh, a, a loss of words and how to how to describe how much I like it. It's not that I, I. It's not that it's my favorite beer that I've ever had. It's just it's got a quality to it that I can't really describe. It's not a thick beer, but somehow it carries through so much flavor that a more a thicker, heavier beer has. Um, even with the color, you, know, you would expect it to be thicker, and it's not. And I, I appreciate that. It's something that I can drink and then go back to continuously without being overwhelmed by the smokiness or the um any of the other flavors yeah um i mean i had i had to go back and really not how to think about it but i had been focusing on the smoke aspect of it so as i went back for you know sip three and four i made sure to look for the maple flavor and i was originally getting ready to say that i didn't taste it but um it has a little bit of that syrupy quality to it, you know, not in the Robitussin 
syrup sort of way, but it, you taste a little bit of that maple syrup in there, kind of flavor. I don't to think it. there's maple syrup in here though. But you get what I'm saying. But I, I'm I'm trying to. I'm yeah, not I, saying that he necessarily uses maple syrup. I'm rather saying that no, you but, taste it a little bit at the at the end of the sip and a little bit of a thickness to it. That's when I pick up the maple flavor. Yeah, but so my point though is is that uh, there's no maple syrup in this beer. He's actually smoking the malt with maple wood. Is that right? Yeah, that's it's what a combination it of maple and hickory wood that he smoked the malt with. Okay, so that's. You know, it's not going to be uh, so. Is it a just psychosomatic then? To it. What's that? Is it just psychosomatic for me that I'm getting a maple flavor? Yeah, I think so because I I don't get any uh, traditional maple flavors out of this beer myself. I do think though, for your average person, me in particular, um, it, using the word maple, even though they're smoked after it, I mean, what you're saying is 100 percent true. It doesn't say maple syrup, it, anything about it, but when you see the you're maple, expecting a sort of sweetness. Exactly, and I I guess that's one of the things that was not confusing to me because I didn't think necessarily maple syrup because I did hear the smoked, but I was expecting it to be a little sweeter than it is. I'm I'm happy that it's not. I think it's great the way it is, but I do think that in this case the name could potentially take someone who's not paying enough attention and, and set them up to, for it to be a little bit different. I guess that's fair, certainly. But uh, Paul, great job. Keep smoking that malt. I'm going to have to find some more of your uh, smoked beers. I'm going to have to come up to Northport again, drag my wife and my daughter along, and get some my, you know, my hands on some more of your uh, libations. I'd have to say as a whole of, of the breweries we've been through so far, this is clearly one that's probably, um, you can say whether this is correct or not, doing the smallest batches. Oh, certainly, yeah. I believe he's working off a three-barrel system right now. Right. So I think that, I mean, he's really able to play with flavors potentially with less consequence to financially than some of the other ones so i think that's how he's able to get a lot of these a lot of these interesting flavors and it's it's what we're into in particular mark and i into this experimental like different flavors and complex flavors no i mean i'm i think i i think i've made it clear that i'm definitely looking for things that are a little more complex in flavor but um as i keep as i keep drinking it i'm trying to you know figure out is it you know you know with that maple thing is it just in my brain or anything like that but um i mean i guess it's just the mouthfeel and then since i have maple in my head i'm kind of making a connection there there is a little bit of like residual sweetness at the back right but but it's not what i would uh characterize as maple maple syrup yeah and and going back and thinking maybe that's just kind of like the regular brown ale um you know profile of it yeah and also like that's that's a another point to bring up like you hardly ever see brown ales so kudos to paul for going out there and making a brown ale yeah i brown ales happen to be one of those ones that i really enjoy and they're one of the ones that if i'm looking at the the beer list at a restaurant or or at a bar if i see a brown ale i'm i'm more likely to start there than start at an ipa then start at even a belgian ale like you show me a brown ale that's usually one that i enjoy and i'm gonna go after that yeah certainly like brooklyn brooklyn brewery's brown ale that is is a a favorite of all three of us yeah that's that's... exactly what i was gonna bring up i mean um kevin's the one who actually introduced me to the brooklyn brewery in general and that was i think with with that beer and i'm a big fan brooklyn brewery is we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do some of their beers at some point 
and they're in that group of, I guess you still call them a craft brewer, but they're definitely big enough that they have the real distribution that they're that you can find them elsewhere. But they make some pretty cool stuff, and that the Brooklyn Brown is one of those ones that you find a lot in the tri-state area as the quote unquote as the as the craft beer on tap that they have and, yeah and it's so it's pretty easy to find and it's it's a safety net for me at restaurants of you don't have anything else but i know you're gonna have brooklyn brown so i'm okay with that but yeah i'm really enjoying that they this one i mean i've had other roche beers that burn me out but this one i it's a nice comfortable sipping beer yeah it's very subtle so uh the the smokiness is at least so uh Justin, what are you going to rate this uh, Hickory and Maple Smoked Brown Ale? Um, I've been giving this a lot of thought, actually, um, while you guys have been discussing that. Um, it's uh, it's probably a growler. I, 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 it's kind of between a bomber and a growler, but based on our system, <laughs> a roll growler. And uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be uh, disappointed in having uh, 64 ounces of this sitting in my house to drink. Certainly. I, I would agree with you. It's going to be a growler. I'm probably going to drink about half to maybe two-thirds of it and the rest of it i'm gonna use it to boil some sausage or braise some sausage in there and i'm going to eat that sausage and maybe maybe i'll save a little portion of that and soak some mustard seed in it as well and make some beer mustard with this dude the beer mustard that you made is fantastic and i was raving to my old man about it the other day (laughs) it's so easy too like so on a little side here people to make beer mustard, take one cup of mustard seeds, soak it in one of your favorite beers overnight, and then the next day after the seed has soaked, you're going to put that in your blender. To that, you're going to add a couple of tablespoons of brown sugar, a couple of cloves of garlic, and some apple cider vinegar to get it to the... Liquidy consistency that you like. So if you like your mustard really thick, you're going to use less. If you like your mustard a little bit runnier, you're going to add a little bit more of that apple cider vinegar. But you're just going to blend all that up and add the vinegar to liquidy preference, and you're going to be very happy. Uh, I can definitely say that you're going to be very happy if you use mustard, especially on some pretzels hot dogs an old boot that you found at the dock <laughs> i just put lines of it on my finger and just lick lick it off my finger it's definitely one of my favorite things that mark makes and one of my favorite things about hanging out with mark is the fact that he uses beer in many different ways i know that there's been sometimes when potentially he brewed something he didn't like and he used use that as vinegar to make something else there's yeah, no waste true. with mark I, i've made uh i've made a fair amount of malt vinegar using uh my kombucha scoby <laughs> That I split off, and uh, yeah, there. Let you know, as the website proclaims, I am on a quest to prevent all the things, all the things. But uh, well, while we're talking about cooking with a beer, my favorite thing to do—it's the easiest thing in the world—is just include the beer when you're when you're making a, a roast or in beef stew. Is you know instead of using beef stock or whatever other kind of stock you want just substitute it for some beer and it works perfect every time and like i I mentioned previously i use the use the boris the spider from uh from when we in that from episode two when we talked about spider bite 
I used some of that in a beef stew, and I think this in a beef stew would be absolutely delicious. Oh, yeah, it would be great. Or even, uh, so like I have a Internova a sous vide immersion circulator. It's, and, it's uh, super fancy, but it makes some fantastic stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, using some of this hickory smoked brown ale as uh, just pouring a little bit in there in the bag with like the beef roast or whatever you happen to be cooking with i think it would be a, a great addition as opposed to the uh the beef stocker oh yeah absolutely the the thing that always gets me is i, I like using the beer over the beef stock is it's definitely because it just cuts down on the the amount of like the, the sodium taste to it the, the the super saltiness of uh of all the sodium but that's uh, true and, and plus i mean who doesn't want to incorporate beer more in their diet i it's dude it's a health food it's a wonder food it's got everything it's liquid bread man can survive on beer it's been proven time and time again um and it's i I love beer it's fantastic and there's a reason that i'm doing this but i haven't got a chance to give actually my rating we we kind of fell off the rails yeah we we kind of not fell off the rails but we definitely uh went off into uh the joy of cooking with beer (laughs) which maybe will be a separate podcast what's the quote from julie uh, childs i love clicking with wine sometimes they even put it in the food there you go (laughs) (laughs) and you have to save the liver (laughs) we're we're pretty much the same thing but with beer yeah um but for me um not because of a negative but i'm gonna give this guy i'm gonna put the smoked uh what was this hickory and maple smoked brown ale i'm gonna put it out at a bomber um i like the flavor i think it's really tasty as i've mentioned before i want to cook with it i think it'd be a great addition i just don't know if i could drink that much of it and i think that just boils down to personal preference of style of i like rush beers but not quite as much as as mark and justin love it it's not a criticism in any way. It's just merely personal preference on amount of consumption. I think Bomber would put me perfect at where I want to be. Yeah, for me, it's going to be a growler and uh, kind of like what you were talking about. I'm probably going to drink half of that and the in other the half. First of sitting, it, yeah, yeah, the other half of that growler I'm going to use for cooking, whether it's making beer mustard, beer yeah. cheese, or using it as the cooking liquid of some roast. Uh, I, uh, growler is probably the perfect amount for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that sums it up. I, I think we loved this brewery. Yeah, uh, Paul, with the last name that I can't pronounce, I thank you. I've been looking for your beers for a while, and Mark, thank you for finding them because I'm really happy that I got to try them. And now I'm going to be keeping an eye out and see if I can find some of this stuff because I can't wait to drink more of it. Um, I guess for the brewery that wraps up, but I did have a question for Mark. He posted an interesting picture to, uh, to our Instagram, Beertastic Show, of a bunch of honey in a pot. So maybe you could talk a little bit more about what you were, what you're exactly your plans are for that honey. Well, maybe you should actually rate uh, the hickory. I, I did. He I did. gave it a growler. He oh, you did. Yeah. did? My bad. It's all right. You rated so, it twice, so it's cool. Uh, <laughs> I mean, That's how much fair, Mark loves it. <laughs> if you haven't picked up on this by now, we usually record a couple of episodes back to back. And, uh, yeah, we've had a fair amount to drink at this point. <laughs> it's all so, okay. To, so, anyway, to answer Justin's question, so, as I alluded to in this episode and the previous episode, I dragged my wife and my daughter around the Northport area 
we uh we got some beer from blind bat at the northport farmers market we i picked up some beer from sand city brewing company in northport and in addition to that we stopped off at uh, richter's orchard where i purchased five gallons of fresh pressed apple cider that's going to end up becoming the holiday sizer that i gift to my close friends and extended family this year yay (laughs) yeah and uh so what justin's talking about is uh to fancy it up a little bit this year uh instead of just mixing or diluting the honey into the uh apple juice i actually boiled 10 pounds of clover honey on my stovetop yesterday and uh if you're gonna try this kids make sure you wear gloves because boiling Boiling honey burns yeah now i gotta i want to interject real quick why why are you bothering to boil the honey? What does that do to it? So clover honey on itself doesn't really give you a lot of character. Like no, it, clover honey is kind of like the standard honey. It's yeah, I'm, so it's sweet, but that's that's all it gives you. Like okay. there's no other secondary characteristics. So by boiling it, you're actually caramelizing those sugars more, and. Uh, developing additional flavors and so what i was looking at by boiling the honey was to get sort of like a almost a toasted marshmallow sort of flavor out of those sugars okay i I love me some toasted marshmallow that's always a tasty flavor for me so i added so i boiled the honey i diluted it back down with the five gallons of uh, richter cider that i spoke of previously and also at the Northport Farmer's Market, I picked up some of that fancy-ass Vietnamese cinnamon that we were talking about in the Brickhouse episode. Wait, wait. You, you, you got it. It wasn't just like you didn't just find it like in a bag laying around on the side of the road because with how much the you know, Brickhouse was using it, I thought they you know, just like found it. No. So at the Northport Farmer's Market, I was actually talking to the guy from Crimson and Clove and they had uh, both Vietnamese cinnamon, and I was talking about this with Justin before you got here, Kevin. I can't remember the other regional variety that they had, but... Uh, Ceylon cinnamon? No, it wasn't Ceylon. It, it was... Uh, so Ceylon is like the species. It was yeah. from... It was another geographic region somewhere in Asia, and I'll be damned if I can actually remember what it is off the top of my head. But that variety which I didn't buy, right. he, the the guy from Crimson Clove described to me as being like cinnamon sugar without the added sugar. Okay. So, so it's, it's got a, a sort of sweetness to it. So it's that cinnamon that I think of, in, so it's dessert cinnamon, if you will. Right. And the Vietnamese cinnamon has kind of a citrusy characteristic to it. Interesting. Which I thought would go well with the fact that I've got 10 pounds of honey and five gallons of apple cider which That's a lot have, of sweet already. You don't really need more exactly. sweet. And a little bit of like citrusy uh, sort of tartness is going to help cut through that a little bit, I think. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so that so if you're a friend of mine, you're going to get some tasty sizer for Christmas this year. Well, and, and that sizer is like reason number 76 of why I make sure I maintain a, a quality friendship with Mark. <laughs> is uh to make sure that i get a bottle of that each year 
Uh, we've got Mark's got the uh, the card here from uh, from Crimson Crimson and Clove, and we'll make sure we link them in the in the show notes here. And um, yeah, I remember I used to work at a at a Williams Sonoma for a couple of years. That's and, right. And I spent a lot of time, you know, when I wasn't reorganizing stuff in the basement because the old ladies that worked there didn't believe that I actually could know anything about food. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time, you know, trying to research stuff and learning things about the different beer about the i'm looking at beer so um about the different spices and stuff that they had so there's different types of cinnamons i was aware of but i didn't haven't really experienced so that that's interesting to me and um to add a new flip to to add a new flavor like that i'm looking forward to it and i i can't wait to try it it's always a it's going to go great with uh, Christmas Eve tacos. Certainly. I'm, I'm cruising around on their website right now. I was trying to find if I could figure out what the uh, what the additional yeah, type the of cinnamon was, was, but I, I can't. But they do have a homebrewing spices gift set that apparently has uh, dried hibiscus flowers, cracked coriander seed, whole allspice, and whole juniper berries. Now, That's pretty interesting. Juniper, juniper is, is interesting. Like, I don't – do you guys like juniper? Like, when, when I think of juniper, I usually think of uh, – the additional flavor in gin i think of like uh like tangeray versus versus gordon's gin like if you think of gordon's gin it's kind of plain and then you think of tangeray it's got that little bit of the juniper in there it's not usually my favorite flavor see for me i know the words that you're that are coming out of your mouth but not i like i don't know that i've ever actually had any gin Okay, Honestly. so maybe we have an episode where we drink gin then. Okay, <laughs> but... I haven't actually had gin either, and I, I mean, I have had it. I didn't like it, and it was probably some kind of well gin that is nowhere near what you're talking about, which is probably terrible. See, what I know of juniper though comes from uh, the Norwegian tradition of brewing sati. Sati, S A T I. I believe it's S A H T I. Of course, oh, it's Norwegian. Of course, it's got a double vowel. I am hundred percent Norwegian, and I have absolutely no idea what any of you were talking about. But, All that's, right, but so, that's why you worked on a fishing boat because it's it's in your blood. <laughs> so sati is a uh, uh, traditional Norwegian beer, and it incorporates juniper into the entire brewing process. So generally, the uh, filtering base when you make a beer. Usually it's uh, just produced by the husks of the grain and whatnot that you filter the beer through a few times until you get it running clear. Okay. In seen that, that makes sense. In this, in the Norwegian tradition, they'll actually use uh, juniper boughs, juniper boughs to create that filter bed that they're running the beer through or running the wort through. Rather, it's not fermented yet, so it's not beer I mean, running. That's it. That's interesting because you would think that if you want to extract, really extract. I mean, I guess if you're running hot water over it, you're gonna, you know, the hot water over it, you're gonna get the flavor. But to me, like I would think you'd would want to include it in the brewing, into the wort, into the boil to get to really extract the oils and stuff. Yeah, I. So I'm not a hundred percent on this, but it's one of those things that I'm like, wow, that sounds really cool. I want to try that at some point, but I have no idea where I'm gonna get my hands on a bunch of juniper boughs. Maybe but we the, have to go to Norway. You know, we, we, have, we will do what it takes. That might be one of those ones that we just have to find someone who has some in their yard and maybe you know trim their branches a little bit in the middle of the night. But yeah, so <laughs> Sati, uh, if you see that anywhere, give it a try. Send us an email, beertasticvoyage at gmail.com. Let you know what it's, 
let us know what you thought of it. Yeah, that that definitely would be something interesting to to try out. Um, I mean, that's the the as you look through like any as you read any kind of thing on the history of brewing, it's always been what's in the region and what's available, and we can put it in there. And so the amount of spices and different varieties that have come is always incredible to me. And as a history nerd, I love that stuff. I love looking at how the region and the history of the region affects the local cuisine and the local production. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't necessarily take into effect, but um, I mean, I don't want to keep going on that. I could, but you guys don't want, cause I'm starting to see, even just as I mentioned history nerd, I watch your eyes glaze over. So uh, do you guys have anything else that you want to add on blind bat? And last, no, uh, only kind of that uh, it, certainly worth following paul on the social media to find out where he's going to be so you can actually get your hands on some of his beers for me i think that you know, i i maybe i glazed over that might just be the uh you know seventh or so beer i've had today that's, that's <laughs> but i think that the uh the honey beer is exactly what you said he's using the things that are available to us in our area he's using local honey to long island local uh farmers to grow the uh the hops that he used and the uh the basil and I think that's like a, a great way to uh, to end the episode to think the fact that 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 is a 100% Long Island beer. Yeah. So kudos, Paul. Thank you so much for uh, letting us try your beer, and hope to find you all soon. Yeah, and hopefully you can actually uh, find yourself a permanent space so that we can come visit you in a tasting room. I know I'm rooting for him. Agreed. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening and uh, joining us on this beer tastic voyage. If you enjoyed Beertastic Voyage, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to review and rate us. The guys can be found online at www.beertasticvoyage.com, on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash beertasticvoyage, and Twitter and Instagram at beertasticshow, or send them a good old-fashioned email at beertasticvoyage at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and cheers for local beers.